Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. You know, I um, often hear uh, phrases that say, um, get to the other side of pain, you know, get to the other side and or push through to the other side. And I listen to that and I say, man, you know, that's, that's a bit faulty. Because I believe every emotion, everything you feel, feel your feelings because there are lessons in that. You're supposed to feel pain because there's a lesson in that. You know, I believe that so much of my pain was my school. Okay, learn this and become an expert in this because you're going to be able to teach other people when you see it in their eyes. You know, whenever you see a child looking like this, you're going to be able to connect with that. So when I travel, when I go to refugee camps in Greece or secret places in Turkmenistan, I can always connect with people. And the reason is because whenever you become an expert in certain types of feelings or emotions, they translate through language. They translate across barriers. They're borderless, you know? And that's the way that I'm able to connect and and feel and say, okay, I think I know what you need. Let's have a conversation or, you know, here's my hand. I'm going to help you through this. And that's what's worked for me for 12 years so far. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember, folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Jamia, welcome to The Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I am beyond excited to have you here. Uh, you're somebody that I've been wanting to talk to from the moment that I found out about your story when our, our mutual friends, uh, Akira and Renee, shared it on their Instagram feed. When I saw what you were up to and the work that you were doing around education, I immediately sent Akira a text message and said, hey, can you please make an introduction to her? I really want to have her as a guest. So I am thrilled to have you here. But before we get into all of the work that you're doing uh, around education, I want to start by asking, what did your parents do for a living? And what impact did that end up having on the choices that you've made with your life and your career? Wow. Great question. So my parents were both entrepreneurs. They were always thinking of new ways to develop something, to create something. So in my house, there was always a lot of different ideas, uh, a lot of different tools. I remember when I was seven, my mom would create uh, baseboards for computer systems. And we didn't even have a computer at home. So I thought that was quite interesting and unique. But more than what they did was actually uh, how they completed things. So my mom is actually schizophrenic. 
And so I grew up with a schizophrenic parent who had all of these different ideas and um, had highs and lows, manic episodes, hearing voices, all of these different things. And as a kid, I was also the only person who knew that my mom had this schizophrenia. I was the person who she would uh, talk to and um, kind of invite in to her world of mayhem. And what was interesting about that was I was also sort of like her doctor. I would tell her, you know, you're hearing these different voices, but could you choose one? Could you choose a happier voice? Could you choose a happier experience? And it was through this experience with my mom that I realized that, number one, I had a way of helping to guide people to happy spaces. And secondly, I also had a way, even as a child, to make something that seemed very difficult, quite simple. And throughout my life, I remembered that. I I would know, you know what? I can always make this simple or this person is having a bad day. I bet I can make them smile. I, I bet I can help them to be happier. And as an educator, that has stayed with me. You know, as a curriculum designer, I think of amazing, difficult concepts. And I say, you know what? I bet I can break this down for a four-year-old and I bet I can do it in a fun way that'll make them smile. Mm-hmm. I think that that is such a, in my mind, heavy experience for a child to go through. And I, I wonder, you know, what impact did that have on the relationship dynamic that you have uh, with your parents? And, and uh, what about the, the relationship with your mother and father? And then knowing that you were dealing with a mother who's schizophrenic, how has your understanding of, of what you are experiencing changed with age? So my relationship with my parents are awesome. My relationship with my mom is really great. She actually attributes me as being uh, the person who helped her through life, which is sounds like a lot, me saying that, but she does. She when I was younger, my mom wasn't diagnosed as a schizophrenic person. So she would experience these different things and have these highs and lows, but there wasn't any label attached to it. And so as a child, that taught me to see the person beneath the person. You know, I didn't label her mom, my mom as, you know, this schizophrenic person. And even now, uh, I find difficulty in that, in saying, oh, this person is that and labeling children or other people, they are this, or they are acting this way. Uh, I really believe in putting the person before any label, any illness, um, or any experience. Uh, it's, actually what a growth mindset is. You know, you have a clean slate every day to become who you are and to grow even more. And um, as far as, was the question, how has that, what was yeah, the third question? Was the family dynamic also with your dad, like what is the relationship between them like as a result of, of this experience? Uh, so my parents weren't together when I was little and they still aren't together. So their dynamic is the same. It's always been the same. They have a lot of mutual respect for one another, a lot of trust uh, in their abilities as parents. One thing that I would say is I definitely have a different relationship with my parents and a different way of growing than my siblings do. So for me, I have a I feel I had a beautiful childhood um, and I believe that 
most of or everything that I am and everything that I've achieved comes from that. I like to tell my students this story um, called the the soul in the sun. And the idea of the story is that we existed as souls or spirits or what have you. And we looked down and said, Hey, I want to go down there. I want to experience earth and the higher power or whatever you believe said, you know what, if you really want to go down there, you, you have to leave this area of perfection. You have to learn something. And in order to learn something, you have to experience some difficulty. You have to go through some pain and me knowing my overachieving, (laughs) super exuberant self, I can see myself and probably the listeners can see themselves as, as well. Listening to something like this, you are probably one of those people to say, you know what? Give it all to me. Give me all you got. I want to learn all the lessons. I want to go down there and I just want to grow, you know? And so when I consider my parents and uh, my whatever hardship that I experienced, I can see myself choosing that, you know, give me the mother with schizophrenia so that I can learn patience. I can learn how to persevere. I can learn the best way to be creative and channel different types of information. You know, give me that, give me this, give me all the lessons so that I can continue to grow. And so with that perception, my uh, story, the way that I tell this story and the way that I've experienced this story is super um, positive and exciting because that's the way that I've experienced it. However, my siblings, completely different. <laughs> what do you think that is? I think that's definitely a mindset thing. You know, um, it's def- having a growth mindset which I have always had, even as a child, before I knew about personal growth or manifestation or any of those things, I remember doing that. I remember always believing in magic and miracles and wishes and really feeling like my wishes came true. Uh, Mantras, I would say affirmations. I am great. I am awesome. This is great. This is awesome. And little songs to myself. And even now when I do that and uh, whenever I attend a conference or read something and I say, oh, is that what that is? Is that the quote unquote technical term for that? I've been doing that as a kid. So even when I was younger, I had this view of life always and only getting better. It can only get better. What can I learn from this? Oh, now I know this now. I'm going to do this differently. So it's, I think it's so funny because I feel like in a lot of ways, life is your classroom. Yeah. Yeah. For, I, it's all of our classroom, the school of life. You know, I um, often hear uh, phrases that say, um, get to the other side of pain, you know, get to the other side and or push through to the other side. And I listen to that and I say, man, you know, that's, that's a bit faulty. Because I believe every emotion, everything you feel, feel your feelings because there are lessons in that. You're supposed to feel pain because there's a lesson in that. You know, I believe that so much of my pain was my school. Okay, learn this and become an expert in this because you're going to be able to teach other people when you see it in their eyes. You know, whenever you see a child looking like this, you're going to be able to connect with that. So when I travel, when I go to refugee camps in Greece or secret places in Turkmenistan, I can always connect with people 
And the reason is because whenever you become an expert in certain types of feelings or emotions, they translate through language. They translate across barriers. They're borderless, you know, and that's the way that I'm able to connect and and feel and say, okay, I think I know what you need. Let's have a conversation or, you know, here's my hand. I'm going to help you through this. And that's what's worked for me for 12 years so far. Wow. So. How do you get from uh, being this very curious and it sounds like precocious kid to doing the work that you do today? Like, what is it that led you to say, you know what, I want to go into education and I want to go design curriculum and I want to change things? Like, where did that come from and then how did it start? You know, you intuitively said the perfect word and it's curious, following your curiosities. You know, I hear this word being said often and it bothers me a bit as an educator and that's the word passion and purpose and for me even as a child when I was maybe six I thought I wanted to be a doctor and I was really quote-unquote passionate about being a doctor even throughout university I went to the number two university um, for medicine for medical science And I was so sure that I wanted to be a doctor. But what I was, what I realized later was that I was curious and I followed my curiosity. And now I never tell my students, what are, what are you, follow your passion or ask them, what are you passionate about? What's your purpose? Because if you feel like you have your purpose, it's great. You're in it and you love the question. But if you feel like you don't know what it is, It can be quite torturous for someone to say, you know, just find it, just find your purpose. But if you tell someone to follow their curiosities, just follow them, just dive right in. You can travel from curiosity to curiosity to curiosity to a full life of meaning. And so I follow my curiosity of medicine. Why? Because my parent had, you know, was schizophrenic. And so I thought, wow, well, I'm curious about this. I want not only schizophrenia, but I want people who feel like they have an illness or feel like they're different to, to be heard and to be well taken care of. So I followed that to university. And then when it was my senior year and it was time to get ready for medical school, I thought, man, I want to feel a value now. I want to do something of purpose now. And this is one of the issues with education. And one of the things that I strive to do in the curriculums that I develop is that In education now, the way it is, is that we prepare children or students to feel a value later. You know, you keep doing well in science and maybe you can be a doctor in 12 or 16 years and then maybe you can do something and be a value. But what about right now? How can a four-year-old feel a value right now? What can they do right now? How can we give them the I am? I am this. I am doing this. Not I will be this later. And so I was facing that and I thought, well, what if I go global? What if I go to another country and practice and experience what that's like before I go to medical school? So I joined the Peace Corps and I was sent to Turkmenistan to be a community health educator. So that's someone who works closely with doctors. However, when I went to Turkmenistan, I was immediately informed that no one trusted healthcare there. No one went to the clinic. I sat in an empty clinic. And it was also and continues to be 
uh, a country controlled by an extreme dictator. I was there during the time when the first one uh, who led for 13 years actually passed away. And then uh, the one who is actually there now um, came into office. But I thought, okay, no one trusts the <laughs> the clinics. I'm going to be here alone. There's an extreme dictator who who has basically made everyone afraid of foreigners. There uh, aren't foreign tourists. It's extremely difficult to travel to Turkmenistan, which is why no, most people haven't heard of it. When I told people I was going to Turkmenistan, some people asked me, oh, honey, aren't you sure you don't mean Turkey? And I was like, no, I don't mean Turkey. I'm sure it's Turkmenistan. Um, so once I was in Turkmenistan, I sat there in an empty clinic for a few days and there was a moment when there was a knock at my door. And when I opened it, there were about 100 children standing outside and they said, we found you. We need you to teach us. Can you be our teacher? Now, granted, there, I am still thinking I'm going to be a doctor and I'm prepared to be a doctor. And unfortunately, which is one of my uh, biggest regrets in life, I sent them away. I said, you know, I'm not here to be an educator. I haven't studied education. I know nothing about education. I'm sorry, you have to go. And it was during that time that another doctor came to me and she actually said, do you know what you did. Do you know how far those students walked for you? They walked for miles for you. You said you want to help here. Well, then help. That's what doctors do. And she actually walked with me and showed me the miles that those children walked to find me. And then I was later informed of the secret police, the KGB, who had threatened the students. If you ever go to this American or any type of help, your parents will lose their jobs. You will lose your the monthly income that your families receive. And so it was a very dangerous situation. But I realized that if I sat and chose to sit in an empty clinic and not do anything, rather than try and be of service and of value, like I said I wanted to be and do something, then what did my life actually mean? So I got a stick <laughs> and I started writing the alphabet and I told the students, you know, I don't know how to be a teacher, but I'm here and I have some knowledge. So if you are willing to show me and teach me how to teach you, then we'll hide wherever we have to hide. <laughs> we'll keep trying again. We'll do whatever we have to do um, for me to help you. And they were my first, first students. We were often um, followed, threatened, a host of things by the secret police, but we were very successful. And I attribute that situation and those 100 students to being my, my education in how to be an educator. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, so after leaving that situation, uh, one, what happened? Like what came next? And what are the lessons in, in teaching and, and education that you applied to other teaching situations going forward? And we have a lot of parents who who listen to this who often use the content from Un Unmistakable Creative as a part of their homeschool curriculum. So I wonder what would you tell parents uh, about their own kids and educating their own kids based on the experiences that you've had? 
So like awesome. three questions in one. Okay. So what happened after that, I returned to the U S and I was completely passionate about education. I was very successful. Um, although illegally <laughs> in Turkmenistan because I wasn't supposed to be an educator. I was also blacklisted from Turkmenistan after that, that experience, biggest badge of honor to date. And I then asked, okay, which place is the best in education? Where, if I want to take this seriously, it's not in my home country. I don't want to learn how to be an educator in a place where I feel like they failed me and so many other people in this space. So where could I learn? And there was a speech by President Barack Obama in which he discussed the uh, these education system in South Korea. So I got on a plane and I went to South Korea. And long story short, I realized in South Korea that I had a lot of special skills as an educator. And soon I became a celebrity educator in South Korea and designed curricula for uh, schools throughout South Korea and Japan and Vietnam. And then I began to travel the world and to help people. And the biggest keys to a lot of learning and education that I've learned uh, stem from countries all over the world. And the thing is, beyond the biggest keys, it's the mindset. And so I struggle with saying, well, this, if you do this like South Korea, you're amazing. If you do this like Japan, you're amazing. If you do this like India, you're amazing. Because there are strengths and weaknesses in every single education model that I've found. But the link, the key to actually being a happy, thriving, lifelong learner is actually the mindset of the education system. Not whether or not you are taught to study math more or you have an open class model. It's not that. It's the mindset. It's the growth mindset. It's if you are praised with, wow, I love you so much because you did so well on your math test today, which then to a child translate is, I love you because of this math test, but when you do bad, I don't love you. You don't say that, but that's the way that praise works in their mind versus, oh my goodness, you have been working so hard. You are continuing to learn so much, you know, then it's, wow, okay, she she or he are praising my growth, you know, or wow, I am so proud of your desire to learn. Oh, okay. So it isn't about whether I do great or whether I don't do great. It's about my desire. And so one thing that I would tell parents who are homeschooling their children is to really focus on praise. Praise is something that is so undervalued and so powerful. One thing that is a trend now, and it's important, but it's gratitude. You know, we teach our children uh, to be grateful. I am grateful for this. I am grateful for that. What about the way that we praise them and the way that we teach them to praise themselves? Because when you praise and when you know how to channel praise in a way that pushes you to grow it diminishes the amount that negative self-talk affects you and prevents you to move forward. So 
I would really tell homeschoolers and educators to really, really be careful with your words. Even it's it, even if it's wow, you are great. Instead of you are great, wow, that action was great. Now it isn't about me. Now it's, oh, that, okay. You know, and encouraging children to praise themselves and not uh, continue with the belief of, oh, if you praise yourself, you are, um, oh, what is the the English word? Ah, 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 ah. Not humble, but the opposite of humble. I'm losing my... uh... Arrogant? Yes, thank you. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I speak five languages now, and sometimes I kind of forget the word in English, but yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. uh, Now, uh, when a child is older than three, we often teach them that praising themselves or even receiving praise is a form of arrogance. So, so much so that adults aren't comfortable receiving, receiving compliments. So many people, if you compliment them, oh, thank you so much. You're amazing. They're bashful or they deflect it. No, no, I'm not amazing. Or no, it was only this, or it was just that. So it's the language, the language in education, the language that we use to connect with students that can either be powerful and encourage them to want to learn more and to want to grow more and to to be curious and follow their curiosities or can be harmful and teach them to criticize themselves and to shut down and not want to try even harder. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right because Rust-Oleum's new custom spray five in one gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. Hold up! What was that? Boring, no flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Mm, wow. So you said earlier that there were strengths and weaknesses to each of the the various uh, education systems across cultures that you've been able to observe. Uh, I'd be curious, you know, what they were. Yeah, well, I've designed in 20 countries, so that would be a lot, but I'll do a few of them, sure. a few of my favorites. So South Korea has a concept called skinship, and I absolutely love it. It's skin plus friendship. And this concept is completely against what is allowed in American education system. And I think it's problematic. And so what skinship means is that when you are a leader or an educator in any type of way, you are translating some of your support in touch or affection. So, and that connects a bond. So when you think of a mother, uh, a lot of mothers are taught to have skin to skin bonding when their child is a baby. So when you're a teacher, you are supposed to have a sort of skin to skin friendship with your students. So that just means when you walk by, you pat them on the back. When you shake their hand, you really shake their hand and look at them. So it's a sense of really giving each individual child an opportunity to feel seen and connected. And at first, because I'm an American, when I was introduced this and actually really pushed to do this by the school, I was uncomfortable because in American society, no, I shouldn't touch the students. No, I shouldn't really hug them or pick them up. What? But I realized that a power, powerful thing happened when I developed a bond of skinship with my students. And it was that when I would ask them sometimes, well, what do you like about school? They would say, I like that my teacher loves me. And I cannot tell you any time in my life or any time in anyone's lives who I grew up with, where we actually felt like a teacher loved us. And to me, that was one of the most beautiful experiences, knowing that my students were not only compelled to learn and grow because they felt 
that this would help them to improve and grow as a human, but they felt loved and supported in their educational environment. So that is one of my favorite concepts uh, from the South Korean education system. From the Japanese education system, they have this concept, which I have uh, developed more into my own curriculum, and it's of achievements, direct application. And so what happens is whether I've helped design something for a workshop at Google or for school, I've noticed that in a lot of leadership programs or education programs or even lessons that you, workshops or webinars that you watch online, people tend to stop the learning with understanding. Okay, so I taught you this. Now you understand A, B, and C. Now you are aware of this. And that's not enough. That's not a fully transformational experiences, especially with children of the 21st century. They need a direct application. They need the next step and they need something that will allow them to achieve something. So writing class isn't, hey, we are going to learn how to write sentences. No, we are going to write books that we are going to publish because now you have an I am. After this, you can say I am an author, not I will be an author, I may be an author, I'm learning to be an author. Or if it's health class, okay, we're going to learn today about the different food groups. And then your direct application is when you go home, you can help your parent to prepare a healthy meal. And then when you prepare a healthy meal, meal, here's the achievement. Take a picture and send the picture to me or send the picture to the class so that we can cheer you on. And so when you have that understanding, that direct application and that achievement, that full transformation just really ignites the students to go further. And when you think of the way that we interact in social media, that's what <laughs> compels a lot of adults right now to go further, right? We snap a picture and we put it on Facebook and then we get what? Likes. And we feel like, wow, people like this. And this is the world that the students today are growing up in. They are digital citizens. They are global citizens. They're more connected than ever before. And so when we have a model that isn't just understand this and memorize it, but really, how can you directly apply it? And this is what parents should do. Whenever your children come home and they quote unquote understand something, your job is to give them a direct application of what they were taught to understand. Because unfortunately, in so many classrooms, they leave with just understanding if that, but they don't really have time to really seal it in, to really feel like they've owned it, to be a part of that learning um, by achieving. The learning model that I really loved or, or an aspect of learning that I loved came from India. And uh, it actually came from... Uh, a place that people wouldn't really expect. So outside of the academy that I designed a curriculum for, there were some street kids. And every day I would go out and hang out with the street kids and talk to them. And they couldn't really understand me, but well, they couldn't understand me verbally, but they could uh, communicate with me which happens when you've traveled a lot, you learn how to communicate beyond language. And what was beautiful was that I noticed that every single day, 
they would create something. They would find a way to make something. So I would start giving them things and see if they would create something out of it. And so it was this, this way of creating their own value, of making something, of thinking of how can I create something? And then I would notice they would try to sell it. So it was this entrepreneurial mindset that really inspired me. And so from that, I thought, okay, this is something that I'm learning from them that I think other children around the world may be interested in. They want to know, hey, how can I feel, use my value to be reciprocated? How can I create something that someone would want to take and then give me something for? And so I took that concept and tested it in uh, Estonia when I created a program. And the first question I asked was, hey, do you want to find a way to use your knowledge in order to create an, an exchange, either an energy exchange or a monetary exchange or a learning exchange. And every hand, I had 60 students at that time, 60 children of a, a thousand. And they raised their hand and they t- said, yes, I want that more than anything. I want to know how I can use the knowledge I have now to create something that people want and are willing to exchange something uh, to me for. And so that wasn't necessarily from the Indian education system, but it was something that I learned in India that now I include in my curriculum. And I've learned that doing that has also helped me to help a lot of teenagers who were suicidal and they would come to me and they would say, you know what, I'm not really sure if I want to live anymore. And I would ask, how do you feel of value now? And generally they would say no. And I would say, you know, would this help you feel a value? And I realized that that exchange that I learned from the kids in India gave them a sense of purpose. And that sense of purpose, that sense of immediate value of being able to create something that other people want and then to be able to do more and more and more was something that would help suicidal teenagers. So that has been something that has been a a big part of my work recently is taking that golden nugget from India and helping uh, students who are emotionally and mentally unhealthy and helping them to find what they feel their purpose is at the moment. Wow. So we've talked about strengths from each culture. What about weaknesses? What have you seen as weaknesses from the various education systems that you've had a chance to observe? Well, the number one weakness so far in Every single education system I've experienced, except uh, the Swedish and the Finnish, is that the suicide rates. The suicide rates are extremely high all over the world, which is why the experience in India impacted me so much. Uh, even in South Korea, they are um, they excel over two hundred and eight nations academically. However, they have. Uh, the number one cause of death for people ages 10 to 19 is suicide in South Korea. Um, in India as well, the suicide rate is extremely high. So in, in, the, in America, suicide rate is extremely high. And so know, knowing that there are extreme 
strengths, but this weakness is that children are dying, are killing themselves all around the world has really encouraged me to try to find, well, what is the link that gives them a sense of purpose, that gives them an opportunity to feel of value now? And how can we incorporate that into the learning so that they feel seen, heard, and want to live? So earlier you mentioned that most of these kids have effectively grown up as digital natives. You kind of alluded to the whole feeling of a like on Facebook. And yet we know these are the things that also have contributed a great deal to a lot of the mental health issues that are prevalent in our culture today. And I'm guessing that's not just an American problem based on what you've told me, but very much a global problem. So how do you have those two things coexist where technology is such an integral part of our lives? And it sounds like for these people, part of their education at the same time, you know, deal with the fact that this is often the very thing that exacerbates the issues that you're talking about. Yeah. So the age group that I work with, they aren't really, usually they aren't in the social media world yet, Mm -hmm. but they are global citizens and it is a part of their lives. I think the issue is more that they are not being met where they live. So they are global citizens, they are digital digital citizens, and there are ways to experience um, social media and use social media in a healthy way. And so what's happening is that instead of teaching them that, it's like abstinence versus teaching sex education. You know, it's (laughs) just like that. It's like, don't use the internet, it's bad, versus... What I do is I teach them, okay, do you know how to create a social movement on, uh, on Instagram? What are you willing to stand for? Okay, who's willing to stand with that person? Okay, do you know how to create t-shirts for your movement? You know, these are real things. And so this is how we teach them to actually use social media and um, their online experiences for the greater good instead of saying don't do it it's bad okay well I'm a teenager now I'm going to do everything bad and I'm going to follow all the people that you told me not to follow and the thing is (laughs) with kids as we know this for the using the whole abstinence versus sex education concept it's not useful or helpful for anyone when the form of education is just no Okay, what do you do instead of that? How do I use this in a powerful way? Show them Jason Silva, you know, show them these people who use it in a positive way and then teach them. I love to teach kids how to make visual stories. Okay, we read The Alchemist. Now, what do you believe about this? Can you create something? Can you create a video? What, what is the message? What do you want to solve in the world? What problem do you want to solve in the world? How do you want to solve that? How do you want to bring joy in the world, you know? And then how can you use social media to help you? Instead of don't use social media, it's completely bad. And then there's <laughs> no actual learning experience in that. Yeah, wow. So you alluded to to the fact that you work with a particular age group. And it sounds like we've been talking largely about younger kids. And I wonder, based on your experience, you went to college. Uh, it sounds like here in North America somewhere. Uh, as did I. And right now, when I look at it, 
I, I think that, you know, I had a conversation with a presidential candidate recently. He said, it's immoral what we've done to people who go through our institutions here in the United States because we riddle them with debt. And I wonder when you think about sort of higher education and secondary education and college in particular, with the background that you have, how do you think we redesign it to address the needs of the people who are going through the system? Because clearly it doesn't seem to be doing that right now. You know, this question is a bit tough because I've been going back and forth with this. I've answered it before, but it's tough because it's tough demographically. So there are some demographics where I believe they need college. And I believe they need college not because of what the institution provides, but because of the community. And for some people, going to this completely different community or environment than what they're used to is a mindset shift. It's an experience shift. It's a world shift. And they need that. However, from people who won't leave environments that are completely different, who aren't uh, in um, negative environments that they kind of need to escape from, like most of uh, the students that I teach, I don't recommend university because The issue is that right now we are not preparing children or most teenagers for the jobs that are actually going to exist when they're of age to be um, to be employed or to create their own jobs. So right now, my kindergarten students, they are the generation of 2030. 2030, I think. And so. When they are of age to enter the workforce, a lot of the jobs be a be a secretary. I want to be a doctor like this. I want to they won't exist. They won't be the same. They won't be the way that we're preparing them for. And so the way that I view university and learning right now is really diving into concept by concept. What you're curious about. And finding a mentor, someone who can, someone who's actually done it. There are so many university educators or professors who've never done what they're teaching. They've never experienced it. You know, like I was in, um, when I was in university and I was interested in global health, no one had traveled. No one had done any of that. All of my mentors were unofficial mentors from books. I read about Paul Farmer in this book called Mountains Beyond Mountains. And that actually inspired me to join the Peace Corps because of what he did. He went to Africa. He went door to door helping people, giving them health care in African villages. And I thought that was amazing. I didn't know anyone like that. There wasn't anyone who could actually give me that sort of guidance. And so now the way that I see it is there are so many transformational conferences. They're so transformational experiences. The one, the teen program that I lead every year at Mind Valley U hosts teenagers from all over the world. And we bring in top educators and coaches and authors and whatever what, you name it, whatever they're passionate about. If you want to be a best-selling author, okay, we'll grab one here to mentor you. Do you want to be a TED speaker? Okay, here, I'll tell you how to be a TED speaker. We'll go through TED training. And so it's that hands-on, hand, hand, hands-on knowledge that is so 
so much easily and readily available because we have social media, because we're much more connected now than ever. Whereas when I was a student in university, I felt like university gave me an opportunity, that it connected me to the world, that if I didn't go to university, how could I succeed? I wouldn't have these connections. Whereas now you can pitch yourself, you can go on Twitter, you can, you know, actually talk to people, you can join these conferences, you can do Mind Valley or Summit or Archangel and actually meet with people. And so I really believe that the next stage of education is more person to person, mentor to mentor. This podcast is actual experiences from people, people teaching other people uh, and learning and growing that way and really diving into what you want to do. Get on the plane like I did and actually learn education. I like to say that I hacked Harvard because I still don't have a degree in education. I still don't have any certification in education. Now I don't need one because of all the things that I've done. But what I did was when 12 years ago, when I decided to travel as an educator, I pulled up this uh, curricula online from Harvard University's Doctorate of Education program, and I saw everything that their students would learn. And so I created a seven year plan for me. And so the first year, it was that you had to learn um, different how to classroom management and how to navigate a classroom. And I think the second year was leadership. And then after that, you had to learn how to be an entrepreneur. And every year when I was in South Korea, Uh, I would become more popular and the schools couldn't afford to keep me. So I would say, you know what? You don't have to pay me anymore. Look, this is my curriculum that I developed myself using Harvard's plan. Every year, if I stay, I just want more responsibilities. So this year, I want to be able to train other educators. And then the next year, I want to be an entrepreneur. So I want to build a website for myself and start to put my curriculum online. And what I did was I pushed myself until I felt like I graduated Harvard. And the year that I felt like I graduated Harvard, I actually left Korea. That was my graduation to myself. And I went to travel around the world. So to me, this is the future of education, actually diving into it and using the access and the connections that we now have in this connected world to really learn what you desire. Wow. Uh, it's very rare that somebody leaves me almost speechless after <laughs> listening to them talk about their work, but this has really, really, really been mind-blowing. Thank uh, you. I am so glad that I asked Akira to introduce you. So I have one final question for you, which is how we finish all of our interviews at the Unmistakable Creative. What do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? Hmm. What do I think makes someone or some something unmistakable. I would say service. Service. Service to me is the key to everything. It's not about being famous or popular, but it's true service. And when you truly serve, when you are connected to your service, you feel it. It it propels you in a way that nothing else can ever propel you and other people see it. Sometimes I walk past, I'm in Bulgaria now and I walk past a little boy today 
in the mall. And I just looked at him and he just smiled. And I feel like people can see sometimes my, my connection to service and how important that is to me. And when we are of service, when we actually decide to be of service, that's when just the blocks really start to fall into place. Um, there's a, a mantra that I started saying in, in my 20s, and it's use me, use me. I will wake up in the morning and I would just say, use me. You know, and on my birthday, when I blow out my candles every year, I say that use me, use me. And I mean it, you know, and it's my call to, to the universe. Use me. Um, I have one more thing to say about this because I think it's, it's important. Um, a few years ago, I was in a Syrian refugee camp in Greece and I showed up and, uh, some of my friends were with me and this was the largest, uh, refugee camp. There. I think it's the largest in the world, actually. And when I went there, you know, my friends uh, announced, oh, we have a teacher here. And the kids just ran up to me and they lit up and they said, teacher, you're here to teach us. And I was so shocked. And I thought, wait, don't you have a teacher here? You live here. And there was one teacher. They said, oh, we'll find her. We'll find our other teacher. And she came and um, she smiled, but I could tell that she was just so overwhelmed. And I thought, man, you know, and I told my friends, I said, you know, we only planned to be there for four days. But I said, you know, uh, actually, I didn't say anything. I turned to my friends and I smiled and they said, you're going to stay. And I was like, you know it. And the reason why I knew that I was immediately going to stay was because I created these triggers for myself to know when the universe was calling me to be used. And I know for a lot of people to be triggered is this negative thing, but in my uh, way, since I've been a child of shifting the negative to the positive, as you now know my story, uh, I decided that I would sit down and actually write down what my triggers would be from the universe, using my goal, using my mission in life to impact education, to push humanity forward via primary education. And so I was, I said, okay, if I told the universe to use me, what are three triggers, three things that I could see that would tell me that this is the universe telling you that you need to be used. And one of them was what I saw when I went to that refugee camp. And I had written down before that Whenever you see children in an educational space or a space that should be educational being underserved or feel, looking as if they are bored or unhappy. So very simple. And so I saw all these kids in an educational space, bored, underserved, unhappy, trigger, clear to me. And so it's something that I encourage everyone to do is go beyond the call of finding your passion and your purpose. Great. If you know what your passion is, that's amazing. But I challenge you to, to go to the next level and find out what your triggers are to serve in that passion. And be clear, I wrote three for me. And whenever I go to a space and I'm triggered or receive my triggers, boom, okay, I'm in action. I know that this is the universe saying, okay, you said to use you, it's time for you to dive in. 
Wow. Uh, well, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us and share your story and your insights with our listeners. This has truly been one of my favorite conversations that I've had probably the entire time we've been doing the podcast. Yeah, that's amazing. Wow. Thank you. I had so much fun and yeah. you asked the best questions. <laughs> so one last thing, where can people find out more about you and your work? Well, I have a TED Talk coming out soon. I'm super excited. I've done TEDx twice, but this is my first TED Talk. I don't know when it's coming out, but the title is What Children All All Around the World Want You to Know. And you can also find me on Instagram as Evolve Teacher, my website as Evolve Teacher, and on Facebook. Awesome. And for everybody listening, we'll wrap the show with that. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Unmistakable Creative Podcast. While you were listening, were there any moments you found fascinating, inspiring, instructive, maybe even heartwarming? Can you think of anyone, a friend or a family member who would appreciate this moment? If so, take a second and share today's episode with that one person, because good ideas and messages are meant to be shared. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.